Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Barely D&D, a sort of Dungeons & Dragons podcast. My name is Landon, and I play Boz in the campaign. You are about to jump into part two of episode... Uh, it's episode 13, but part two of the last, last week's episode, Playing With Fire. We typically don't do part one or part twos, but a few of the cast has uh, come down with the coronavirus, so we haven't been able to record, so we're splitting it up to keep up with our weekly upload schedule. Um, if you would like to consider supporting us through these trying times, you can do so on Patreon. The link for that is going to be in the episode description or the podcast description. It's going to be somewhere. Um, but with that, uh, we're not going to have a, uh, a recap last week. Uh, we're just going to assume that you listened to it. And if you didn't, shame on you. I'm just kidding. Hope you enjoy the episode. Let us know what you think. And hopefully you'll take a look at that Patreon. All right. Thank you so much. Should we camp at the river? Is it is it typically a good idea to camp at the uh, around a river tello or? Uh, okay, so you got you guys are riding into and tello pulls on the reins a little bit. I assume you guys yeah. match up and as you as you slow a pace, he you know you get to where you can hear each other talking, and he goes, um, well, um, it's nice to be near a source of water. It can draw other people as well, but um. You know, sometimes that's either a good or a bad thing, but it's nice to be near water. Um, easy to bathe, easy to drink, sometimes fish. Mm -hmm. um, as you all are having this conversation, could whoever wants to make a perception check? Me, yeah. I will. I love doing checks. Can I make it the first When did check? I mark the sheet of paper? I got a 13. I <laughs> got a 20. Holy crap. And that 20? Yeah, I got Also, can I see your, your pencil? I just want to erase Wait, hold on. Wait, I might have a negative on here. I'm sorry. Let me check. Perception. Wait, when, but when you're, when you're, when, when you roll a 20, a nat 20 uh, modifiers well, don't apply, right? Well, so just as a, as a quick rule. Um, oh, wait, the this, nat one, this one has an eraser. Thank you. As the nat 20 rule can be confusing. Um, nat 20s are technically a home rule in the first place, but they're fun and they make things more fun. So in general, how I'm going to rule on nat 20s is in combat, a nat 20 is a crit, so it means you get to double damage. That's awesome. Um, in general, in ability checks, uh, uh, one is a critical failure. There's no rule for that either, but it makes things both funny and also very dramatic. Um, a nat 20 on ability checks in general it does not mean an automatic success because um, DCs still yeah. apply. Um, and it does not mean that you don't apply modifiers. So modifiers can still change things. I like to respect the spirit of a nat 20 because it's fun. So in general, I like to give people things when they have a nat 20. But if a modifier significantly pulls it down, I'm going to let it affect it as well as brings it up. And, um, and there's, te there's technically no critical success on an ability check, not in the way that I rule the, the standards. So... What did you get? I got a 23. Yeah, you did. <laughs> okay, well, I'll tell you what. Um, anyone who got above a 15, you can notice what I'm about to say. Um, but Craig, you definitely do. As Wait, as Tello and Boz are having this conversation and Greta listening, you look over everyone's shoulders, or I guess you're short. You look in between their torsos and you notice off in the distance, maybe like a quarter mile down, there's a light at the edge of the river. It looks like a firelight, maybe like a quarter mile off down the way of the river, um, just slowly burning in the distance. I think we should go. Y you notice. Oh. Tell him, tell him. Uh, uh, there's yeah. a there's a firelight over there. Do you see that? So there is, yeah. Should we stay away from it? Um, I don't want to come across. Oh, cabins. you have a spyglass, don't you? Mm -hmm. uh, you can use it, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> does Bob, do you say anything as this is happening? I'm just checking. Uh, 
I'm not trying to explain. Well, the spyglass doesn't see things you want it to. Come on, Boz. Wait, I'm. It's Sorry, different. Greta is still very shaken. Okay. Greta is still very, like, not talking a whole lot. Okay. Do so you pull out the spyglass? You don't have to. I'm just asking. It's not gonna do anything though. Well, at Greta can do whatever she wants. I'm just giving yeah. I'm gonna pull it out and give it to Tello. Okay. As <laughs> she does that, as you say to him, Boz, like it doesn't. She and he's like, I don't understand. Oh my goodness! And he like sort of like recoils <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, lifts it up to his eye, lowers it, lifts it, lowers it. You what? Act like you've never seen a magical. Thing I haven't pulled that out of the sea. Oh, it's really. I mean, I've seen the magic item, but I've never seen one that does this. It's from. Recloses it, hands it back to you. That's wild. Yeah, you're right. That's not going to help. Um, I think we should go say hi. I, I don't think so. We learned our what lesson if... last time. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'm a pretty sneaky individual. If you all want to remain here for a bit, I can go check and come back. Don't worry like about your safety. Hobbit. I mean, if you all want, you can stay. Hoot twice like a barn owl if you need help. He just puts a finger on his nose and points it toward you, and he goes, "Look, if you all want, you can stay 500 feet behind me, uh, just to watch. But really, I'm good at this." He just winks at you, Craig. Okay. And he slides down off the horse behind you, <laughs> and uh, he gets down in the grass. I mean, you can make an insight check if you want. It didn't. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. he we- I look at Greta. I'm okay. like, he winked at me. Uh, and uh, he gets down in the grass and he gets really low and he, he like begins like sort of like walking slowly away. Now who's the weird one for Say, crawling? I'll come with you. I, I, <laughs> st- still definitely you. I said, I'll come huh? tell her, I'll come with you. And he goes, I can do it. Boss, do you have, never mind. Greta's going to curl up next to a rock. Is there a rock? Perception well, do you rock? get off the horse? Yes, no. Okay. So you slide down off the horse, you poof, into the grass. Perception check. Rock check. Someone does probably need to stay with the horses. Rocks. 13. Unless you want to go back and buy more. Rocks. Looks like a pretty open field. I'll be your rock. Okay. Um, so <laughs> Greta and Boz remain nearby the horses. Uh, or, I'm sorry, Greta and Craig. Uh, Boz, you and Tello um, sort of move off into the grass. I'd like you to make a... Well, I can make the stealth check for um, Tello, and I'd like you to make a stealth check okay. for Boz. You <laughs> just a rock check, right? Did you do a Dwayne the Rock Johnson check? <laughs> okay. Um, I got 13. The Rock. <laughs> okay. Roll for Dwayne. Um, so as Tello and Boz are moving away, um, you see Boz for a way, but for whatever it's worth, you see Tello walking away. The light is dimming, but you see him. Then he gets about 60 yards out, and after that, you don't see Tello. He just kind of, like, there's there's a moment where it gets a little, like, oh, there, there, no, where'd he go? And he's wearing darker clothes than Boz, but I mean, he really disappears after a bit. Boz, you're trailing behind. Um, you guys continue for quite some way in this, and you keep an eye on him, but it's worth noting, as you watch Tello, you remark a couple things. Holy cow, he's light of foot. And even though he's watching in front of him, it's like his feet instinctively know where not to step in the grasses as you guys are moving forward. And he's he's working at this height where he's like not forcing himself to use too much of his quads as he bends over, but he's still bending down enough that you can see where he wouldn't be in someone's immediate eyesight. And you can see how his dark clothes begin to pull him into shadow. Like this is a stealthy individual. And um, you guys continue on for like maybe like, uh, as you get closer, you realize the quarter mile estimate was definitely a bit of an overestimate. It's more like a thousand feet. And you guys get about 500 feet forward. He stops briefly and he gets back to you, but he goes, um, Buzz, I don't mean to be rude, but you're being pretty loud. I could right stay now. here if you want to go on ahead. If I go ahead. Yeah, I, 
just take okay. a rest. Oh, thank um, you. Thank uh, you. I don't know. I stick your staff up so I don't lose you. Okay. Rest. Um, I like raise it up in the and uh, he just says in uh, Elven really quickly, uh, I wish me luck. And he sort of uh, goes further out into the darkness and he disappears for quite some time, maybe like four minutes uh, after he leaves your visual sight. And then after a while, slowly but surely, you see a figure emerge from the grass. And this time he's walking just upright. Uh, and as he gets back to about you, um, he goes, uh, maybe like eight minutes later, he goes, um, let's go get our friends. It's safe. Okay. Well, who, who was it? What was there? Uh, there are people fleeing from La okay. Libre. Uh, They've made the camp. Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, uh, if you want, you can go ahead and head over or you can wait for us in case you're still concerned. There's, I see the logic. In this. Um, I'll, honestly, I am really tired. I'm just going to stay here and wait for y'all to come back. <laughs> sure. Again, hold the staff okay. up so we don't lose okay. you in the grass. Um, and so eventually after a while, Tello reemerges from the darkness and it's, the sunset is fading very dramatically now. It's gorgeous, but it's getting dramatic real. sunset. <laughs> it gets to that time of evening where it gets real dark real fast. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so, as, right when I looked at you, you were like that. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it, so I looked over. Your whole face was down. I was like, oh. uh, so, it begins fading into a very dark navy that's turning into like a true black in the night. Uh, and almost all the light has dipped out of the horizon. And so Tello just grabs the reins and starts walking back with the horses. Eventually, you guys catch up with Boz. Boz, have you fallen asleep? Uh, no, I'm not asleep. I think the fire woke okay. me up enough Alrighty, to where so, I'm like... <laughs> okay. I'm awake. <laughs> so um, so he just passes by you, Boz. You get up and move with your staff. And eventually, you guys move to the edge of a fire. Um, from about, you know, 100 feet away, you can start making out the individuals. Much greater details, you get closer. So there is a campfire going. Pretty well made. Um, it's in between a bunch of stones, and this this group has made their camp because uh, the grasses end maybe forty feet out from the shoreline of the river itself appears to be like maybe 20, 30 feet wide, 25, 30 feet wide. Uh, you can't tell how deep it is, but it's moving at like a. It's got a pace to it, but it's not too fast. Um, and uh, it's almost kind of hard to differentiate the water from the grass as it's getting so dark, but you can hear it. You can hear the moving by and you can smell the water and the sort of earthen scent you get from moist earth nearby a river um and uh, the group is in between the two so there may be like 20 feet in between on bare soil and they've set up a campfire in between some stones and there's a larger rock near one of them that one of them is leaning up against and there's uh there's three people there is uh, a man a uh a human man he looks maybe like late 20s early 30s um, and then there is uh, a, a, a dwarven woman. Um, she has the visual appearance of maybe like, you know, mid thirties. Again, with dwarves, it's harder to tell because they can be much older. But she has that visual appearance, and um, they're sitting right next to each other. Um, and the man has a large cloak that he's like that's around both of them, and she's like sort of pressed up into his side. Um, she has uh, auburn ginger hair with streaks of a lighter color in it that's pulled into two buns in the back. Um, that look like haphazard, but still kind of nice. And um, she has bright green eyes, light pale skin, uh, red freckles all down either cheek, a little button nose, um, thick red lips. And um, she has on very simple leathers. Um, uh, and uh, she's just got her arms crossed and she's she's got a head laid on his shoulder. Well, his like arm, because she's only so tall. And um, he has a uh, very dark brown skin, uh, broad nose, thick lips. He has this regal beard. Um, that's very well trimmed and comes out to about here off of his face. Uh, well, it tapers down into more of a square and he's completely bald on the top of his head. Um, 
he has dark brown eyes and um, he's also wearing very simple common clothes, uh, not quite burlap, but you know, cotton and uh, some layered vestments. And um, across from that pair, and they, they have their bags and their goods around them. They're all nearby the fire. And across from that pair, leaning against the rock is a woman. Um, she looks like she's maybe in her mid seventies. Um, uh, she has wrinkles all over her face. Um, uh, a few, um, oh, what are the spots? Uh, what do you call them? The spots that you get on your skin when you're older? Sunspots? Mm. No, it's not kidney spots. It's Pan- pancreas spots. Sunspot. Well, skin cancer. <laughs> we'll call. Oh my goodness! <laughs> we'll call them sunspots. <laughs> okay. Is it liver spots? I forget what it's called. Um, there's another term for it. We'll call it sunspots, and we're not going to call it skin cancer. Holy crap, Abby! Um, That's a normal thing. So she that happens has, to people all the time. She has sunspots on her skin, okay. and. Um, her, she should get that checked. Fingers look a bit older and more frail. No one in your time knows about skin cancer, okay? Um, and she has uh, pale silver hair that freezes down around her shoulders. Um, and she has uh, uh, she has a very thin nose. She has lovely features, if you know, sagging a bit in her age. And uh, she has light brown eyes, thin brows, um, a very wide face that pulls down into a little a little pointy chin. And um, she has on also very common clothes. She's much shorter and she's up against the rock. Um, she's opposed like opposite them, but it doesn't look like a, a, an uncomfortable position, just a distance away sitting on the other side. And they're both watching the fire. And um, uh, as as you all approach, all three of them look up at you all and Tello just smiles and waves up at them. And, and the, the, the couple like smile and wave and the old woman looks up and she's got a warm enough expression, not an outward greeting, but she just nods. And you get the feeling that Tello has probably talked to them as, as you all were approaching. And as you guys get closer, you can see that there's a very large gash over the old lady's forehead. Um, there's a bunch of stained blood. And you know how like when older people break skin, it takes longer for stuff to heal. Mm-hmm. So there's just a very dark bruise all across one side of her forehead. Um, but there's some a bandage that's been placed over half of it around her head. Um, and she just like sort of waves and the four of you approach the three of him of them and the horses um, uh, like to a stop and um, and uh, Tello greets them all and he says something in Incinian. Um He basically um, like waves and Incinian? says um, uh, and uh, the couple re- the woman from the couple responds in something and they nod and uh, and then he gestures to you all and he says uh, this is my uh, uh, traveling party. Uh, the fun guys, right? We're the fun yes, guys. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's who we are. Les fun du fun guys. And he sort of gestures to you all. And everyone like smiles and gets weird expressions, but nods. And he says, um, uh, they have said that we can join them and sit by their fire. Do they not know anything other than Ensign? Do they, like, can we not, if we talk to them, will they not understand us? Um, at this point, the man responds, uh, oh no, we, we speak the common tongue. Okay, okay. I, I just didn't know. It's all right. It's all right. There are any valid questions. What are y'all's names? Uh, it's just easier. Um, <laughs> hello. Uh, I am Tador. The man waves. And the dwarven woman says, um, I am Falana. And uh, the older woman against the stone says, um, uh, Yantira. And uh, uh, Tador says, um, uh, please come, lay your burdens down. Everyone could use a fire. And uh, Tello begins pulling things off of the horses and setting them next Even to Even though it's a very, like, you know, basic, like, oh, come on, sit. It means so much to Craig right now. Okay. And he's just like, and he goes and, like, he sits, he just kind of plops down and he's Aww. just like, Where do you sit? And 
Um, are there like logs? Or it's just like ground. There's a one big rock, a lot of open area. Everyone's laid their bags out in sections. So like, if it was a, if it was a circle, it would be like here's the general area. Here's the rock on one side. The old lady's here. The couple's here, and fires in the middle there, is about. Oh, and then the, the water's bed. off this way, and the grass is. This Where way. are we? Um, so you guys have approached about like right here. Okay. I. Which is doing so much for our audio listeners. I know. I was just <laughs> yeah. thinking. Wow, circles and um. This is the diagram. Oh, wow. I don't even know. I can see, see it. I can see it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just gonna sit like <laughs> you don't have to be super exact. I just I don't know, like by the fire, like okay. near it, not far away like they are, but okay. Closer. So you almost sit kind of closer. Okay, halfway in between. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Tello puts down his bags kind of closer to the couple and does like a sort of intermediary thing where he's halfway toward you and halfway toward them. Um, uh, Boz, I want to ask. Well, actually, Tello gets up really quickly and takes the two um, horses' uh, bridles. Um, and ties them off, takes a bit of length of rope, ties them together, and uh, wraps it around the rock and ties it off there so that the horses have some room to go and Like, they have room to get grass, room to get to the water. He puts, all, like, 40 feet of rope on it almost. But they're still, like, tied Thanks, nearby. Thanks, Tello. And uh, he leaves them where they are. Yeah. Uh, yes. Know, thank you so much. Sorry, I jumped in there. Ah, no, it's, no, it's all right. Uh, I mean, party, right? Yeah. And he goes and sits halfway in between. Uh, where do you sit, Greta? Um, I'm going to walk up to... I'm going to kind of, like, walk very slowly and quietly up to the old lady. Okay. And I'm going to, like... She acknowledges you as you approach. Okay. I'm going to kind of, like, reach my hand out, and I'm going to cast Healing Word on her. Okay, so you get your hand kind of near, and she gets a weird expression and moves back a little bit. Um, how do you cast your spell? Can you cast your spell? There's no pressure, and I can describe it. I'm just... Uh, healing Word's a first Let me level. Think. Let me oh, think. okay. She has spells left. Thinking. Well, and you don't have to if you no, don't want I just to. Think. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't have a good way to do it, but I think I do it very quietly. And I'm still like very shaken and like very meek. So I'm just going to very quietly cast a spell. Okay. Um, so uh, just very quietly under your breath, a separate note. Don't worry about it. Uh, just for me, a separate note. Um, you uh, just reach up and you touch her symbol and she looks kind of concerned. And as you pull it out, a really dark, haunting looking light surrounds her hand. She looks slightly confused. And uh, like the couple across the way, like it's a slightly concerned expression on your face. But as you mutter your incantation, um, what are, you speak your healing word quietly under your breath and um, the skin on her head like regains its more natural color. She sort of reaches up and touches her head and says, ah, thank you. That was kind stranger. Please come. She just pats the ground next to her. Okay, so I'm gonna like sit down next to her. Okay. I'm kind of, yeah, I'm gonna like sit and like kind of slouch and lay down next to her. Okay, so you like lean up against the rock. Mm -hmm. um, your head comes up to, she's small, but your head still only comes up to about her shoulder. So you're like leaned up next to her. Um, Boz, where do you go and sit? Um, I go sit next to Craig. Okay, so Boz plops down right next to you. Mm -hmm. and you guys are seated there for a moment. And um, uh, the human man, Tador, says, um, uh, what, what brings you all coming uh, uh, this way? From what area of La Libre are you? We, um, we're travelers. We were, we came to, um, oh gosh, I just forgot to say the word. It's okay. Port Resplendison. Port Resplendison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We came from there and um, now we're traveling towards uh, where most people are going away from, the war. Um, towards yeah. La Libre? 
Yeah, so we're, we're trying to get over there uh, because we're on a mission from uh, Le Pomme Vert. And uh, oh, wow. so we are heading that way, which might be a little dangerous, but we're doing what we got to do. Well, with a hammer that big, you can handle yourself. Huh? <laughs> it points toward the huge hammer sitting yeah. behind you. Which is, by the way, kind of weighty. <laughs> I mean, Craig's strong, yeah. but you, I'm, you're feeling I'm tired. the weight on your back. It's yeah. also it's been like like we've talked about in the past. You were sort of like retired of it. You weren't working as hard as you were in your mm -hmm. youth, and you still have a lot of that muscle. But like, it's an unfamiliar. You can feel the soreness in your back from carrying the hammer that mm -hmm. long. Yeah. Um, Occasionally, Craig will like bench it and like out of character. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but anyways. And he simply says, All right. <laughs> well, I respect to you, I guess. We, we don't have to press any farther. No. Well, um, what's y'all's story? How'd y'all end up over here? Uh, and he just looks toward the dwarven woman next to him. She looks up at him and nods for a moment. And they both just stare at the fire for a second without saying anything. And then um, the woman says, uh, We are from one of these smaller... Um, agricultural communities uh, near the capital, and uh, um, we are fleeing. Not a lot else to say, I guess. Do you know how far away the Kefkins are? Uh, she's like kind of playing with a rock in front of her, and she says, I mean, we left four days ago. Um, I, I don't know now behind us okay I'm sure they've taken the capital yeah okay and there's just you know just pause and wait that's there that's just a heaviness yeah does anyone else do or say anything mm. I fall asleep pretty Bob, quickly you're sitting next to me <laughs> okay okay Boz just sort of uh, right next to you Craig uh I, I assume, Boz, do you even get no, your bed I, roll out or do you just I, I think fall I, asleep like, on your bag? I, I definitely put it out there and I like sit on it to be more comfortable. Okay. So Craig pulls out the bed roll, or er, Boz, and he's just out pretty fast. Okay. I'm going to go put my feet in the water. Like okay. I'm going to go walk over to this river and like just play around in it. Not play, but I like explore you, yeah. it. So Greta, you stand up, you walk away. Um, uh, the like the old lady looks confused. She starts walking toward the river, but she looks like kind of momentarily to uh, Tello and and uh, Craig. And as both of them seem unfazed, she just kind of makes nothing of it and looks back to the fire. Um, as you start walking across the ground, you get closer to the river and you get to like the edge of the riverbed, and uh, the moist earth begins to press out fluid as your foot pushes down into it. As you get close enough, and the the waters invaded the ground near the river, and uh, you can smell the coolness of the river. And while the air has worked all the way down to its nightly temperature of like maybe 60, um, the water is much cooler, you know, at probably like maybe like 45, 40. So as you get your feet into it, you can, you can feel the coldness, but even though it's just on the verge of being uncomfortably cold, it's still quite relieving as it's cool. Um, and uh, uh, do you want me to point to the river really quickly? No, I think I see it. It's okay. the big, I guess. It's yeah. the one nearest to Port Resplendisa. That runs from La Medite. Yeah. Is okay. it? Are we at like the big part or the part where there's two? You guys are at one of the splitting sections. Okay. Uh, not that you would necessarily know that. Yeah. But, um, uh, and as you get your feet into the water, it rushes over your toes, and it's that cool, rapid feeling that of suddenly encountering another physical medium that's strange. And uh, now, as you look at it, now that the lights have transferred and it's turned into 
the cool, cold night, uh, light of night. Um, uh, hold on, actually, I won. There we go. Um, and you stand with your feet in the water. Um, the, you can actually see the river better than you could maybe half an hour ago because it's now it's, it's reflecting starlight and moonlight. And you can see um, the many thousands of little smearing lines of light in the rush and the dance of the water. But you can also see two distinct portions, as amorphous as they are at their edge, at their edges and moving back and forth. You can see the reflection of uh, Yalabuddin's two moons, Tuilo and Tuila, one larger, one smaller. And uh, I mean, if you look up, you can see them clearly enough in the sky. They're always, uh, sometimes they come very close toward the end of the year, but here in the middle of the year, they're very far apart. And uh, they're at these opposite positions in the sky and the water is cold in front of you and rushing. It's a marked piece compared to the events of the last few hours. Do you do anything else as you stand there? Um. I don't think so. I think I'm just gonna enjoy the water for a little bit. Okay. I have something I wanna do. Absolutely. Okay, I'm gonna pull out my diary. Okay, Craig, <laughs> you, you pull out the small brown leather. Mm-hmm. Book. Also, can I clarify that there's like a like a pen, like a you know feather pen inside, or do I have to it's be a like, bit ahead of the technology? We'll say I that you have know. a separate ink and quill that you can pull out. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's just so, gonna be hard for a common diary, but yeah. Yeah. So you pull out your ink. So and quill. I start to write about the adventures of today, and uh, <laughs> all of my writings are to my wife. Like in my brain when I'm writing it. I'm writing it, explaining everything to my like wife. Like letters? Mm-hmm, like letters. How do you start each one? Oh, dear Kitty. Um, <laughs> have you seen That's so cute. Sure. It's your um, I feel horrible. And then I go on, and that's how I start every single one. <laughs> um, <laughs> recently. But um, I write everything about what we did, and I it's kind of like... Well, he, Craig does not know that he's doing this, but he's using um, like therapy tools of like explaining his emotions and then connecting why he feels certain things to events and to conversations. And it's kind of like relieving that, um, that stress or the conflict he feels. And it's just kind of a tool to calm him down and ease his mind okay. around himself. Absolutely. Um... And you feel the, you feel the tension relieve a bit, as you sort of divulge your emotions to the person you you have for so many decades, um, even for the lack of her presence. And as you, as the quill scribbles and scratches on the paper in your dwarven runic, um, each time that the the quill just sort of across the parchment uh, as the ink sort of spills out of the tip of the quill and like floods the page on a tiny level like like water meeting earth um, and as it spreads outward it's like you can feel a little bit of the tension releasing as you write and uh, it concludes at some point and uh, how many pages would you say are, are filled in this, in this I'd say like diary? front and back front to back are filled huh front to back are filled no, like the front and back of a page. Like of one page. He's asking how much of the diary yeah, you've so written in, Micah. Oh, oh, completely. I say like I'm a if you think of it in four sections, I'm like two fourths of the way through. Okay, so about halfway through. Yeah. Yeah, so halfway. Um, yeah. It's okay. Fractions. <laughs> um and uh how many pages would you say are in the diary total? Oh my gosh, I don't know. 
Well, how many are normally in a diary? I mean, I can give you a number if you like. Yeah, that'd be great. This we'll one call has it like 100. an 80-page diary. Hmm? This is 100. It's 100? That's 100? I think so. Can I say 100? Yeah, sure. Okay. okay. It's about 50 pages full. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. And it closed at some point. You mm -hmm. re-put up the implements. Um, you sit there for a moment. How are you feeling having written in the diary? I feel relieved. Okay. But I am now to the point of making amends with people. So I've, I've explained like, okay, I've done this wrong. Like, I have messed up in this way. And instead of wanting to withdraw and like hide and feel ashamed. I'm coming to terms with what I did and wanting to do something about it, but everyone's asleep. So I'll wait until the morning. Gotcha, for whatever it's worth, um, uh, Tello is still awake, mm -hmm. um, as is the old lady. The couple has uh, have laid down. They've gotten out one bedroll and they sort of laid the coat over them. Um, they look a little bit ridiculous because uh, as the guy spoons the woman, like not only is she smaller than him, but she's a dwarf. So she takes up like this much of him, <laughs> but um, uh, they're just sort of like a lump of shadows as the fire dances across them. And um, uh, the, the fire sort of dances in front of you, reflecting in your eyes in a very different way now. And um, there's something about its warmth that takes you back to that first sunrise that you saw in Port Lisbonisa, where the golds made you think of your wife's dirty blonde hair. And there is simultaneously a warmth and also you can feel the warmth of fire in front of you as you think about who she is and you can feel the cold of the night behind you as you think about both the distance that she has to you now and the distance that has been put between you both by her and and it's up to you whether or not Craig is necessarily putting together his own his own impetus in that but you can feel the cold in the distance um and uh uh Boz, your sleep feels very restful. Honestly, you're just you're just out. Can I say that I uh, <laughs> I'm sad. like I'm like like holding my staff and like curled around it almost. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're holding yeah. the staff? Like I fall asleep holding on to it. Odds or evens, uh, Boz? Odds, because he's an odd fellow. <laughs> Not another forest fire. That's a nine. Know. Um so you got it. You got yeah. the nine. Um as you sleep, Boz. You have strange dreams, weird ones. They're they're beautiful, but they're uncomfortable. It's like it's like being near the edge of a great waterfall. Um, actually, many of your dreams are like that. Your first dream is standing near the edge of a fire. You can feel the heat, and it's like you're in the field in front of you, and it's the wildfire from today, and it's sort of in front of you burning outward. But as it burns around you, you find your feet can't move and it burns past you. And for a moment in the dream, you feel panic. But as the fire touches you and licks up your legs, it doesn't hurt. It's just kind of warm. And as you study the fire more closely, you realize that the grass is dancing with the, the waves of the flame. And and it's it, they're not burning each other. They're just alive together. And uh, eventually you see some green light in your dream from like a black void above you, not even a true sky. And as the water rains down and touches on your eyes, you open them again and you're standing at the edge of a waterfall. And each of your dreams are like this, where you're on the edge of something beautiful and threatening. And uh, a couple times in the dream, you just hear dimly a voice say, I guess we'll see. And uh, otherwise your sleep is deep and restful. Um, after a time, Greta, 
you hear the padding of footprints. And uh, does does Craig go to sleep at some point? I'm just asking. You can stay mm-hmm. up if you want. Okay. So Craig, you sleep. Um, he like kind of puts his shoulder on Boz's. No, sorry, his head on Boz's shoulder. Okay. In a very subtle manner of like. Okay, so you have to go and like. Oh, you so see, lay right down next to Boz. Because I was sitting next to him. When gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Um, eventually, um, uh, you hear the padding of feet, Greta, and Bo- or uh, Tello comes up and joins you. And uh, he's taken his boots off, and uh, he walks with bare feet, and he sits down in the, in the the dirt and sand near the riverbed, and puts his feet in the water next to yours, so that like he's a bit behind you, because for him to sit down on the shoreline, there's some distance because he's taller, but his feet are in the water, and the water's rushing over them, and uh, his knees are up closer to his chest, and he's got his arms crossed over them, and he's looking up at the stars, and he just sort of says. Why do you think the gods chose to make so many of them? I think if I was making stars, I think I would make one and maybe two. And then I'd say, they, they're they just so pretty, I don't think I could stop. Greg said that you saw the world differently. Do you think the moons miss each other? In the summers. Maybe. Maybe it's maybe they move like that because they miss each other and then it's too close and then and then they leave and then they miss each other again, so they come back. Maybe it's maybe they Maybe they move like that on purpose. Maybe they get tired of each other and then miss each other again. That's funny, I always imagined it as something was pulling them apart. I've never thought about it as their own choice. And he just sort of sits there, quietly with you, just in silence. As the water rushes over, like, your feet, first over yours and then to his. After a bit, like, maybe, like, five or ten minutes, he pulls his feet out of the water and stands up and says, um... That was really impressive today with the fire. It was scary. It was really scary. Yes, it was. Good to have a cleric, huh? <laughs> I'm hey. gonna, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Greta doesn't feel like a cleric. So she's like, oh my gosh, what? What? And he just smiles down at you and walks back to the group. I'm gonna follow. Okay. He pulls out his own bedroll and lays it out. Um, and uh, he sets it down into the fire near, like, equidistant to everyone, but very much on his own and uh, sort of closer to the river. And uh, as he lays out the bedroll, he goes, um, uh, I will take the first watch. Sounds good. He sits up. I'll watch them dance. He looks up at the stars. And uh, you go to sleep. Um, eventually, at some point in the evening, uh, Craig, you feel a hand touching your shoulder. Huh? Huh? And uh, Tello's <laughs> standing over you and he goes, uh, uh, your turn for watch. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Have you done oh, this before? Yeah. Have I done this before? Uh, I mean, no. No? Uh, roll an insight check. Or no, I'll roll it. <laughs> I can do his stats. Um, do you know what his modifier is? Yeah, I've got a sheet. Oh, cool. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> oh, shoot. That's a terrible roll, though. Um, and he just goes, uh, all right. Uh, okay. 
He smiles. Just and because I, I mean. He stops like halfway from walking away. Yes. Maybe we've been like watching differently. Um, how, what, do you, <laughs> what kind of system do you have? Uh, so you just watch to make sure no one comes upon us in the evening. Maybe for two or three hours. And then you wake up someone else and they take a watch. Okay. And Craig's brain is like. And as as he gets almost all the way back to his his spot, he stops and he looks back and he goes, um, you know, you might be the most appropriate person to have the rings. Um, Because today you really got an idea of what they could do if you use them irresponsibly. Thank you. Discomfort goes with growth, right? Yeah. And uh, he just lays down and, and like has to push the dirt off of his feet with each other feet. And he does it like off the edge of the bed. Because, I mean, you guys walked around in the dirt. No, your feet so are dirty. And so he has to like kick his feet together and that's kick some of the dirt off. human. And as he sleeps, he leaves his feet off of the, the bedroll so that they don't get the dirt on it. You He's know so like, clean. You know that vine that's like, uh-huh, I do that. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> that's, what, that's just what happened in my and head. He, uh, I do that I all do the that. time. I do that every single day. And he falls asleep. Uh, Craig, could you make a perception check for me? It's kind of freaky. <laughs> Horrible perception. <laughs> You—that's the most like barely intentional dice roll I've ever seen in my life. You don't. Mm. Okay, that was actually an eighteen. But hold on, let me look okay. at perception again because I it's a positive cannot... modifier for you. I believe it's like a plus two or plus I think three. It's like a hmm, maybe a plus one. Might be. Um. Wait a minute. No, it is a plus three. So I don't know why I know that. I don't um, be... Okay. Yeah. So that's like a twenty-one. Craig, you have a very clear watch in the night. Um, it's just a beautiful, <laughs> it's just a beautiful, quiet evening, and your your watch passes fairly uneventfully. Um, do you wake anyone else up for their watch, or do you simply go to sleep after you're done? Oh crap! What time is like no, not what time, but like make an intelligence check. General, intelligence. you know I have a negative one in intelligence. <laughs> Still a check. That's a sixteen. Okay, you get the feeling 16. it's probably like wee hours of the morning. Another another watch might take it to sunrise if it's two or three hours. You're not sure when, but it's just a general feeling. I feel like because Craig's never done this before, sure. he does not know to get another okay. person. So after a while, you're like, that's the right time. And you just lay back down and you go to sleep. Um, okay. And eventually, um, the night gives way to a sunrise. And um, uh, you all wake to the sounds of. Well, is anyone here like a super early riser? Oh, is Boz not. is definitely. Oh, we know that. An early riser. <laughs> okay, Boz, um, you're up first. Uh, well, and as you as you get up, you see that uh, Tello is also awake, and um, uh, as as you wake up, he's like sort of rubbing his feet with a with like a a small. Um, I mean, a handkerchief would be the wrong word, but just a small cloth, and he's uh, getting his boots on, and uh, he just sort of smiles to you, and the sun is painted with. Uh, the sky is painted with an array of gentle hues as the sunrise is just beginning to start. And uh, he says, um, so you talked about uh, magical food, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I can do, <gasps> do magical food. I could do with some of that if you okay. want. Um, and uh, slowly but surely, Tello walks around and wakes up both of you guys. Uh, just like, you know, gently touches you all awake. Boz, do you cast uh, Yeah, I have to prepare it. It's one of my spells. Um, Okay. Also, if you two want to prepare any different spells. Um, <laughs> what spells do Wait, I have? Well, so, you. is role-playing... I know. Yes. It was sarcasm because I'm a barbarian. 
Is role playing eating something we're usually going to do, or is this just because we're in a survival situation? Well, I am establishing a trend um, so that in the future we can just sort of be like, we do the morning thing, yeah. right? Um, but establishing it as a regular activity um, gives the pretense for seamlessly uh, moving into using it in intentional moments in the future. Okay. Um, so like we can pass a lot of meals basically just like I cannot even mention it, but because we've established that like meals can be done this way, um, that gives us room in the future to um, very seamlessly pick it up as, as a normal activity. Okay. And so this is a first level spell. That makes sense. Oh man, what? what Cold person, that's so sweet. Anyway. And how many what? spell slots can I have in, in my first level? Oh, Mr. Drew, I just want to make sure I'm not shooting myself on the foot if I don't no, have to. No, it's okay. To. It's okay. It's okay. Um, druids have, I want to say four, but let me check. I don't know what these spells do, so I'm just going to pick ones that kind of sound cool. Dude, do it. You have four first level spells. So I'm just going to ask. Spell slots. I have a question. Mm -hmm. So when I'm preparing spells, I'm just going to write down the spells. So I have nine spell slots. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to write down nine spells. Yes. And, and they can be any amount from first or second level. They just have to add up to nine in total. Gotcha. Wait. And spider climb. And spider augury. climb and augury are automatic. So what I would do is I would find a way to match the ones that you get from your domain. Mark them as ones that are just sort of always there okay. automatically. Um so, Boz, do you cast Goodberry? Uh, yeah, I'm going to. I'm just, how many prepared spells can I have? Um, um, I believe you can also have spell casting modifier plus your druid level, but let me check. Craig, do you do anything in the morning as you wake up? Um, I think I'm going to go, like, is there a way I could, like, nope, wait, never mind. I am not going to go bathe in the river. I have tried <laughs> bathing for whatever before. It's, for whatever it's worth, Craig, there's a lot of river it wouldn't be hard to walk off quite a ways, bathe and return. You can if you like, it's up to you. I am not taking this chance. I will enjoy the stink and I will not try this again. Yeah, it's up to you. Okay, yeah, I prepared good, Barry. I'm definitely gonna make you, I'm not gonna make you any rolls if that's what you're asking, but yes, uh, it's your wisdom modifier plus your druid level, uh, Buzz. Okay. So I could have nine spells prepared total? Yes. Okay. Do we have a Bozzy boy? Or do you have a lot of healing spells? No, I only have one. <laughs> what was that laugh? <laughs> um, yes. uh, the, uh, the three individuals wake up. And they, uh, they begin getting out items to, uh, to like prepare a breakfast. They start getting out some food. Um, the older lady pulls a skillet out from her pack, hands it to the, to the younger dwarven woman. You get the feeling they've done this a couple times. Um, uh, Boz, I'm not going to make you get into it too much, but do you cast yeah, a berry? Yeah, I 10 of them. Okay. So they appear in your hand, and uh, I assume you let everyone know that like, hey, eat yeah. this. Okay. So Boz goes around and passes out these berries, and as everyone eats one, um, they what do they taste like? Um, they taste like uh, what is a native fruit that would be around? You know, in the essence of trying that tea and liking it, they taste like peaches. Okay, um, so each of you have a peach have a peach flavored berry, a small little purple berry, and as you pop it in your mouth, it bursts a little like bit, like a boba, um, and it tastes really sweet and good. And oh then after goodness. you swallow it, you suddenly feel completely full, like no desire from breakfast, even after the activity of the previous day. And uh, as Tello sort of chews and swallows, he goes, my friend, that is an incredible trick. Uh, 
well, if we take care of the land, the land takes care of us. And um, honestly, that didn't have anything to do with the land. I just. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Greg Vaughn. <Bob. laughs> I'm not taking care of my land. That was a piece of advice um, and also a jab at Craig, so. Okay. Uh, Tello simply continues and says, um, well, there's been a lot of signals so far that I'm with the wrong group, but that feels like a right one, huh? Um, so I take it we continue on. Absolutely. Onward. No? I think that's a great idea. Okay. Um, I'll, uh, I'll get the items okay. together. And he begins loading up the horses. Um, uh, the older lady comes and finds you at some point in the morning, Greta. Um, however groggy you may or may not be, as we've seen from previous I'm episodes. rolling on the ground. Okay. <laughs> and she just, uh, she walks up and goes, um, I... Or, uh, so, sorry to wake you, young lady, but um, I thank you for yesterday. I feel much better. Greta nods, and she kind of nods a little too much and then makes herself dizzy. She just leans forward and pats her head a little bit and goes, take your time, sweetie. Have a good day. She gets up. She walks away. Um, the, the Everyone loads up their stuff and says, uh, the, uh, the dwarven woman turns to uh, you, Craig, the other dwarf, and says, um, thank you for... Uh, Giving us some protection in the evening. Yeah, no um, problem. How much further to uh, Porto Spendisan? You are aware that yes. you guys rode for maybe like five hours total. It's about like mm, five hours. She has a big smile on her face and she looks up at the man and he smiles too as he looks down at her. And he goes, um, that, is, that is very good news. Thank you. I'm glad I can give you that news. Yes. Um, safe travels for you. You too. And uh, he just sort of like reaches out a hand to shake it. And you know, and he goes, <laughs> farm grip, and uh, <laughs> and uh, they like they wave to you, and the old woman catches up with them, and they begin walking off down. Oh, hey, wait, wait, wait! They stop and turn. Make around. sure to stop by the warm hearth. They have some great food and great music, and it's just a safe place with great people. The three sort of like look at each other, and he looks to you. Uh, Thank you, and they wave and they head off down the road. Uh, I love advertising. Uh, I was about to say, Craig, you can take a point of marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Game proficiency and selling out. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but otherwise, at some point, you guys can be ready for travel. And you can, you know, the horses yeah. eat, they drink, take huge dumps. Uh, and everybody gets ready to. <laughs> How big of a know. dump does Craig's horse back take? Toward their drink? That was the most important <laughs> <for> information. <laughs> I'm not going to. Uh, so, um, do you guys, once you guys are all mounted up and ready to roll for the day, do you um, attempt to ford the river? Do you go, do you work your way back to the road to cross over? Let's swim through it. Let's just ruin Zachary's plan. <laughs> he just hasn't think, had it hard I enough. What were the options again? Massive fireballs <laughs> into a flammable ocean of glass <laughs> is is a good way to do that. Respectfully, um, I just I need to give like the listeners something really interesting. <laughs> you know, were you gonna say something else, Lehman? I I honestly do not know how this adventure would have kept going if Zachary did not allow us to <laughs> prepare, create, that or destroy so, water. That was freaky. Oh, well, uh, I'm it's never all taking good. that out of like I'm not like, I we could be in the middle of an ocean. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> the ocean's where you need it the most, because once the boat's on fire, then you're really screwed. But anyway, <laughs> trust me, I've had parties be there um, <laughs> looking at you, Andrea. Um, oh. But uh, it's OK. She doesn't listen. So um, so uh, the horses make their way back to the road. You guys pass over the road, then back away from it. You move forward. Um, it's like this for maybe a whole next half of the day. You stop and have a next meal at some point, you continue to ride, uh, and you guys make it about halfway through your next day. And um, 
I would like one of you guys to make a perception Me. check. For I will make one. Just no, one of us, or can we each do? Can I, can I assist? Hey, sure. Yeah, give assistance. Ooh. I'm assisting I assistance? you. Okay. Well, you do you feel assisted? Okay. Do you no. feel like I'm helping? No, I'm kidding. I do. He's learned how to watch people and watch for things now. His um, eyes get really big. Investigation, perception. Investigation, uh, perception. Sorry. Nineteen. Okay. See. Um. <laughs> so awful. As you look out over the so. This day, um, as opposed to um, uh, the previous day, um, the sky is still very light blue, but um, it lacks the previous day's clouds. Um, and uh, it has instead... Um, well, okay, so as, you, as you're moving forward and riding on your horses, Greta, from in front of Boz at some point, uh, behind the moving neck of the horse that shall not be named, um, <laughs> which I assume we'll name next session, uh, uh, you can see a um, the shadow of a cloud in front of you in the distance. Um, but then after a moment, you realize that there aren't clouds in the sky. Um, and uh, first of all, I'm sorry, as a note that I missed, um, up on your left toward the north, you all can see and the far distance, deep, deep, deep um, wells of green. You said dark, to, dark. To uh, the north? Yes, of, of, a, of a much deeper green than the grass, which is a very light green. Um, you can see darker shades. And uh, it looks like in the far distance, um, Craig, this is the first time you've ever seen one of these. Boz, to you and Greta, it's a very familiar sight. It looks like forest off to the northeast. Oh my gosh. Um, and you get the feeling that you are making your way toward La Libre. Uh, at least the bordering areas of it, at quite a distance. It looks like it might be almost another half day's travel because it's very far off into the horizon. Um, but it's more toward the southeast where no one's looking um, that you see this shadow moving across the land. Uh, and you can notice a great pool of of color moving in a direction. So you notice this, Greta. Um, do you inform anyone? Do you do anything about it? I'm going to point it out to Boz. Wow. Can you describe okay. it one more time, Zachary, what it looks like? Uh, yeah, you're not here for this. Um, <laughs> Me and so mean nothing to you. You can say something about it. Mm-hmm. Say something to Boz. Boz, you, she points this out to you. You can see it in the distance. Can you describe it one more time? Yes. Um, it looks like the shadow of a cloud moving, but no cloud is present. A darker what shape color in the is landscape. It? Like, a, like a dark gray. It's kind of hard to make out from this distance. Does it look like smoke? Doesn't, no, no. Uh, so to be clear, it's not rising. It's just on the ground, like the shadow of a cloud moving across the landscape. But, just but on there's the not a cloud. Nope. Okay, yeah, I want to look it? at it. I want to look at it. Like, like half mile almost. I want to. I want. And the elevation slopes slightly down in front of you all. I want to yes, hold onto my staff, and like and like stare at the emerald, and I'm going to cast detect magic with my staff. Oh, sick. Okay. Uh, mark off the spell slot. Well, not a spell slot. Oh, I, well, I mean a charge. Yeah, you may know what I mean. Oh, is that a, is that one of the uh, the charges from the from the staff? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so um, uh, so you can mark off the charge. Uh, sorry, I thought it was a, a prepared spell. Um, and you become aware of all sources of magic within, I believe, thirty feet. Thirty feet. I believe that is correct. Oh man, um, I need to get better player knowledge. That's okay. It's practice. We are fourth level casters. It is all good. <laughs> um, 30 feet. 
you become very certain that there is no source of magic within 30 feet of you other than um, the items you... Ooh. Actually, hold on. Sorry, give me just a second here. Boz, um, you see yourself light up. You see the symbol around Greta's neck light up. Um, you can see a dim light from within her her satchel from where um, the, uh, uh, the, you know, the spyglass to be. Um, you see the rings. Craig, have you put the rings back on your hand or are they still in your pocket? They're in my pocket. Okay. So you can see a light from, from Craig's pocket. Um, and I won't describe every color yet. Um, and because you know that those are probably the rings, you can see a, a, a light, a very bright light coming from his satchel, which you know to be the orb. Um, uh, or maybe like you know, a pack or whatever you have. Mm-hmm. Um, it is worth noting, uh, Tello very dimly lights up. Um, as does something from one of his pockets. You're not sure what. And then your staff is nearly blinding to look at. <laughs> okay. Um, and you're aware of those sources of magic, but it occurs to you that whatever it is in the distance is far too far away to, okay. to light up in your vision. And what color does Tello light up as? Um, so Tello, uh, he kind of looks like, have you ever seen a prism refract through a window and you get like the many shades, like the rainbow of color, but it's very faint and dim mm-hmm. as light passes through the window panes? He very faintly lights up many different shades. Very, very faintly. Almost so much so that as they all blend together, you can only make out the slightest difference of hues and it almost just looks like a, like a general white light. Mm. Or like a blending together of different colors. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. And the object from his pocket is a pale blue, I want to say. It's either that or a red. No, I'll check later. <laughs> Please be pale blue, because that's what I was guessing. I think it's a pale blue. Yeah. So that, you see that immediately around you, but it doesn't avail anything about the shadow in the distance. Okay. Um, uh, well, I thought I could do something, Greta, but I I can't see that far. I was going to see if I could tell if that was magical, but I can't. I can't tell. Um, can I... Can I do... I want to do a nature check and just see if it's doing anything to Natural. like the landscape okay, sure. or the critters. Okay. Nature check. Uh, it's going to be a high DC because it's yeah. very far away. Can I, I'm going to use my, can I use my inspiration? Sure. Mark it off the sheet. <laughs> okay. That's a nat it's 20. A nat 20. Yeah, Holy plus, crap. So what is that? Wow. Plus, so 24. 24. Holy cow. Jeez. Well, uh, mark off the inspiration. Yes. Nothing's more powerful um, than Abby at the end of an episode. Um, I mean, ser- I really shouldn't let, I should just not let you roll at the end of episodes. Um, <laughs> Take away my dice. <laughs> last 10 minutes, hand me the trick. Um, you have to do a cartwheel for your very far away. Mm-hmm. So you have trouble mm-hmm. putting together a lot, mm-hmm. but you do see that, um, I'll tell you what, yeah, it's a 24. You put together two things. Whatever it is, it looks very unnatural. The other thing that you put together is um, you, you start to see many, you see many white small dots in the sky moving upward and you realize that they're birds moving away from whatever this thing is very slowly moving across the landscape. So some animals appear to be moving away. Put that together. Okay. And they're not, they're moving like they're flying away from the shadow. Yeah. The, the, they're, they're small flocks of birds, very high in the sky. It must be huge birds to be able to see them from that height, but, uh, they're moving away. And Craig doesn't notice this at all. Craig hasn't noticed. No one's informed Tello and Craig. You're just moving forward in the horses. Are you, you guys do anything else? Um, I'm going to let Craig, I'm going to, I'm going to point, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to point. I'm going to be like, Tello, Craig, do y'all see that? Tello sort of puts a hand above his eyes and strains. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. What is that? Thanks to you. So I have I no idea what that like is. Danger sense? Could that do anything? Okay. Could I Your feel danger? danger? Sense does not go off. No. That's also not what danger sense is, but that's okay. It's not. Use I don't advantage know. on initiative checks. Oh, dang. Which is pretty okay. amazing, but does not correspond right. to this scenario. Oh, man. Well, okay. I also remember that when we were um, with the Countess, I was looking for magical. Mm-hmm. Um, things. How, what is the range? You have on an that? ability where you can sense magical items near the uh, close around you, and I forget. I think you can either use it once for short rest or once for long rest. Okay. Um, so you can use that if you'd like to. You remember it was pretty close range, maybe out mm-hmm. thirty feet, maybe so a work. direct analog to the detect magic spell. <laughs> the yeah. one I just tried so and didn't to... work. Okay. I mean, you so... can see magical stuff, but you're not gonna. You know, it's very nearby. Yeah. Oh well, I'm gonna be like. Guys, those birds are moving away. We should probably, like, I don't know, avoid it? I mean, it's pretty, I trust it's birds. pretty far out of our way anyway. Is it heading towards us? I'm uh, no, it's very... Uh, it's extremely slow movement, but whatever this dark mask is in the distance, it's, it's definitely moving south. And you guys are... Your path is headed north, and uh, it's moving slightly east of you all. And while you're both going east, but at two different vectors... I'm going to keep my eye on it. Okay. And Tello sits back in the saddle and he goes, I mean, I'm along for y'all's journey, but you're not even a little bit curious? I'm, I'd am i be down to go look. Looks at you, Buzz. What about you? Yeah, I want to go check that out. Y'all are wacky, but I want to go with you guys. Greg, I'm sorry. And he reaches over your shoulders and goes away. <laughs> I think that's a vote. Oh. <laughs> and, the, and the horse. <laughs> okay, so you guys continue on for quite some time. I like Tello. Um, <laughs> Uh, you guys move on like this. You have to ride for like maybe like 45 minutes, no. 20 minutes. Oh, really? It's a long time. Um, but uh, eventually you guys get far enough out that um, you can make something out in a bit better detail. Sorry. Uh, it's still quite far away. Maybe like not quite a thousand feet off, um, but very far off in the distance ahead of you you guys all kind of suddenly come together to the realization of what it is. Um, I'm just going to make a quick note. You guys don't need to be scared every time I write something down. I'm just recording details about future sessions. I'm actually afraid. Um, I'm actually afraid. I'm sorry, do you hear that music? (laughs) I'm afraid. Um, So Avery puts on the scary music, writes down a note, and then warns us, don't worry, guys. (laughs) I'm just writing out details. Anyway. (laughs) Just having um, a thought. (laughs) Anyway, as Landon loves to make fun of me saying. Um, So, uh, as you guys look out far into the distance, um, you guys all come to the realization of what it is. You're very sure that you're not within visual range of this, but you guys put together, I'll tell you what, whoever wants to, make an intelligence check. Wait, 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 wait. You're wait. all gonna know what it is, but it's to figure something else about. It's just general intelligence. 16. I'm casting guidance 16. on me before I do this. Okay. Can I make intelligence? Mark out the, oh, is, that's a cantrip, right? Yeah, it's a cantrip. Yeah. Okay. Man, I know so much about this made up game. Okay. I Even with guidance, <sighs> I um oh you said I intelligence. Mhm. I got a 9. Okay, that's okay cuz we got an 18 and a 16. Um you two are willing to bet I mean numbers aren't what either of you guys are specialized in, so it's a pretty high DC. But easily more than a thousand. Um people. Um and you can what? hear, even at this very far distance, very dim, like a... 
very far off, almost like the very soft roll of thunder. And um, it's movement of what must be at least a thousand people. And uh, you can see every once in a while in very occasional glints and reflections um, of light. As you get closer, you realize it's not dark gray so much as it is a very, very, very dark blue or black, almost like some, you know how metal can get into that range where it's mm -hmm. almost kind of like blue or black or gray, but it's, it's a more metallic color in that way. A very cool, cold reflection. And every once in a while with the glints of metal, you realize it's armor. Um, uh, and Craig, you recognize the shade that is very distinctly the color of Kefkin iron. And what is moving in front of you is an army of Kefkin troops, at least a thousand strong. Um, and you can see behind them a slightly different shade in the grass where like thousands of square feet going backward in, in a thin column of the grass is being flattened down. And so it's a slightly lighter shade. And as they move forward in this like midday sunlight, um, they're headed somewhere southeast. But you can see, uh, and you can see like occasionally like flocks of birds will fly up out of the grass in different directions, many hundreds of feet ahead of them. And you can see this huge force moving southeast somewhere. We have to follow them. Why? We don't and even know if he's in there. Telephone behind you goes, uh, my curiosity is say that you want to get closer now? No, no, no. Keep a good distance. How, we need to head in the direction they're going. How do we even know if the guy we're looking for is there? I mean... Hey, we don't have any information at all on where he is, but I can tell you that if we follow them from a good distance, we will find some kind of information. But I mean, massive, big, massive troop. Couldn't we just say, hey, big, massive troop moving southeast? Is that enough information? No, that's not like, what they want. Down? What did the Countess task you to do? She asked us to find us the location of a general, but you think we can assume that he's No, with we can't. No. We don't know for sure. Because okay. if we give them false information, they're going to think that we lied to them. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'll believe you. I just don't think the Countess is going to be satisfied with... I, look, all I know, I worked for them for two years. I would go the extra mile with the Pomover, but that's my take. Hmm. There's one important takeaway from all of this. It's not my head on the platter. <laughs> And he just winks at you guys. <laughs> You're so funny. Thank you. I, I know I am. I appreciate that. But seriously, I, I mean, I see your point, Craig. But also, there's, I mean, there's so many different troops. What if it's not him? <laughs> Look, you have a point. I'm just scared. I know. My I don't know. What do you guys think? We don't know where we're going, though. Like, do we really know what the right way is we're just following in the direction where the war is if we got closer to the war we'd run into more people that have more rumors more answers and yeah. we can like we can we can keep in mind where this one is and if we hear news that like oh the general's heading southeast then we'll know that it's the massive group of people heading southeast i say we yeah, keep going i say we it. we note this down and we, you know what we should do? We should write, like, we should start taking notes of everything that we see and then just give, like, give La Palma Ver, like, a notebook. Or, like, everything. Yeah. Paper's expensive. Tello just leans back and starts rubbing his dark black goatee and he's just listening. He's not writing anything. Look, I'll tell you what, I see your point. 
of going and finding people who are not directly Kepkin, but can give us a lot of more information. Um, especially with you, Greta, I think that you are very good at convincing people with things. I don't, I don't know why, but I think She's that very convincing. she really is. So I think that if we go to people who could give us more information, we could figure it out. So, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to take back what I said on following them. What do you think, Boz? I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, this is who we're looking for, right? Like we're looking for them, but I also feel like if they've taken over the capital, like they said, I don't. I think the general would be there, right? You're right. Yeah. yeah. So I think we should take note of where these people are, and then, and then, um, let's follow where they're. Let's follow the trail of grass they left behind where they're marching from. I like the plan where we don't get closer. Mm. Craig, history check. You said that as you were getting out of the accident. It was kind of funny. Thank you. Wow, that's high, right? Was that in that 20? That was in that 20. What's your modifier? Wait, wait. For um, what? History. History? History's Negative one. <laughs> 19. Man, it's funny because every time something's intelligence, it really takes the... I think both of your nat 20s have been intelligence, so it really cuts the legs out from yeah. under... Nat 20. Oh, 19. Um, Still pretty good. Uh, Craig, you're from the Earth and Bloom the place where mm-hmm. Kefk has really established the empire. Um, you've heard a pretty good amount of rumor about the different generals, and we'll decide at later dates what you have and haven't heard about everybody, but you've heard a bit about Vashnazan. Um, and while you were a little fuzzy on the details a couple days ago, this close proximity is like bringing back some old conversations you've heard in a tavern or, or deep in the mines somewhere. And you've heard multiple people speak of the rumors that he loves to lead from the front. Um, that while many generals mm-hmm. command from behind, um, he's usually in the front of his columns, and he's usually the first to wade into any conflict that he brings his troops into. Um, and you are often aware that, again, rumors, you don't know that they're the case, but you've heard that where many generals take strategic positions, Vashnazan is often put, he's often a trailblazer for the empire, um, in that like when there's a new militant front, he's often placed at the front, um, and one of his most common tactics is to not only lead from the front, but push into new areas with troops. Mm. You're, you've, you recall these rumors. He's the point on the arrowhead. He's the point on the arrow. Okay. The so, terrible, bloody point. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, seeing this group, um, I'm getting some memories back because I'm pretty familiar with the Kefkins because Biasta, you know, all that stuff. Oh Tell her nods knowingly. Um, but I, I know that this general in particular has a lot of pride and he wants to be at the front. He wants to be, um, I guess like the center, like the, the point of everything. And he's the one that pushes. He's the one that, uh, wants to lead. So wherever he is, it's not going to be like he's hiding. So I, I think that we should go to the capital where there's the biggest war. Um, again, these were just rumors that I heard like in the mines and being around those people, but I, I think that's what... Wait, so you heard that he was at the front of everything, like like going into new places, like the front of the force? Yeah. So wouldn't he be in that group then? If they're marching towards a new front, wouldn't he be in the front of that? Are we sure that's the... I mean, that looks like a pretty big force. If it looks like the big... If it looks like like a shadow of a cloud. What if we went, like you said. How about this? um, In his. Oh, sorry. 
Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Abby. I. What? What if we followed yeah, in his wake? Greta. <laughs> Greta. What if we followed in his wake and then talked to some, maybe there's remaining villagers, maybe there, maybe we can find someone in that path of grass and follow the trail that they left and look for someone that can tell us. Because all we really need is to know where Varshlazan, Varshlazan? is. Did the Countess tell you if you get eyes on him or to know about where he's been? I'm just clarifying. Hey, DM. Um, I honestly can't remember. Uh, okay. Um, make a history check. I'm going to cast guidance I on myself because why check? not? Um, okay. Welcome to wait, 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 have you don't make the roll yet. I'm going to assist. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Hey, that's how to use the help action. You're going to assist? Yeah. Because the question was asked to everyone, so you could absolutely be trying to recall. Okay. Yeah. Hmm, I'm pondering and I'm thinking. <laughs> Giving suggestions. What'd you get, Boz? I got a uh, a 16. I'm going to add my plus a four. So that's an unnatural 20. Wow. Um, you do remember that the Countess did ask you to get eyes on Vashnazan. She didn't ask for his direction. She asked for his position. We have to see him. What do you him. mean by position? We have to know where he like, is and see him. Where he was. Okay. We saw him. Yeah. Here's, okay. see him. Here's an idea. But I'm saying we have to see oh, him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me... I could wild shape into an animal that mm -hmm. and i can run over there and see if i can like move my way through the tall grass and and see if i can get eyes on him that is really dangerous i don't know if we have a better option there's nothing around them there's no what way what if they're hungry i mean if you like a little mouse like no not a mouse i was thinking tello what's native around here like what's something that would be that wouldn't stand out but that could hide in the grass uh there's a lot of foxes Okay, okay. And I don't think anybody would be super concerned about a fox as long as I don't get in their way or... I mean, people like their belts, but as long as you stay in the grass, yeah? Well, and you have to think, like, I mean, do you think they have, like, casters or, like, anyone who would be able to tell? I mean... Like, what if they have detect magic? They have crossbows. What I yeah. think... Here's what I think. I think that if, if the general is there, then no one's going to split rank to hunt a fox, right? Mm. And um, yeah. maybe they have casters, maybe they don't, but um, they don't cast that on every fox. I I can do some crazy stuff. I can get out of there if I have to. Okay. I can cause well, I can cause enough chaos to leave. Oh, it would ruin. Why don't you be the? Uh, why don't you be the man going off into the dark now? Huh? Okay. Okay. We'll be following from mm. that far back. No, that no? sounds like a bad idea, yeah. How far away are they? I mean, it's just my opinion, but I mean, you know. They're like half mile out. Okay, yeah, he could do that. Do you think you could, should we get closer, Boz, or do you think that's enough land that you can travel? Um, I feel comfortable at the quarter mile, but I don't want to get any closer. I, I see I'll stay here. I'll go on ahead. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, um, you know, like they say, Selun be with you. And he just uh, pats a hand on Boz's shoulder and goes, and he says in Sylvan to you, Boz, um, uh, if nothing else, it was good to know you. <laughs> Pat's on the shoulder. And I say back in you too. In you no, too. Take care um, of my horse if Boz I die. Slips, 
he smiles. Why so they he... say this in Sylvan, but he just he just laughs and goes, <laughs> "Okay, yeah." Did you say bury my horse if I die? I mean, you got. He said, "Take care." Okay, uh, so and you guys don't speak Sylvan. I um, so yeah. I also take. Uh, uh, it's it's like a cloth out of my pocket. Okay. And um. I place it. I gesture for him to to hold out his hands. Okay, he does. And I place it in there, and I unwrap it, and it um there's a single seed, on it. Down at it. And I tell him in Sylvan, and I says, I say, if I don't make it back, I need you to plant this. And tell. Tell them what happened. Um, he responded, Sylvan. Certainly. Um, who's them? You will hopefully won't have to understand, but um, I'll be back for it. But just in case, and just in case anything happens, you plant it. He closes his palm and opens up his vest and slides it inside in a pocket. And he goes, "If you don't come back, I will plant the, the plant the plant and tell the plant." Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. I look at you guys. I look at my horse. The horse looks at you. <laughs> I look at my horse Fergus a little longer. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 I nod and I wild shape into a fox and I disappear into okay. the uh, into the There's grass. a spray of autumn colored leaves. Just <laughs> and uh, as they fall down, you vaguely make out a streak of orange that flies away from them and just disappears into the higher grass. Boz, you're at a really good height for the fox because um, the grass comes up to like just about your shoulders. Okay. And um, Boz is gone for a long time. Um, Boz, maybe you're a fox, so you can move very quickly for a very long time. Uh, your stamina is fantastic, you're quick. Um, and though, the, the, though this force is far away, it's not terribly quickly moving. Um, or at least certainly not by a fox's standards. Um, and after about 20 minutes, maybe, you get there, very close. Um, I'd like you to make. Uh, I'd like you to look up a fox, five e fox. I have I it. Can even Google it. Man, look at you being a good player. And uh, I want you to make a perception check with the fox's stats. Okay, got a plus. Either perception or investigation, your choice. Uh, got a plus three perception, so we're gonna do that. It does make. Oh, twenty-two. Twenty-two. Oh. <laughs> what? Did you roll a nat twenty? No, I rolled a nineteen. It has plus three. Oh, okay. Okay, thanks for plus three. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, as you look out at it, the troops, um. It occurs to you all of a sudden that you don't know what General Vashnazan looks like. I don't. So that's challenging. But you do see as you get closer, there's many organized ranks. And every the troops are moving in sections. Not quite perfect columns, but near. Um, and there are many much larger figures near the center. Um, you would guess maybe about more than somewhere between five and ten. And whoever they are, they stand two head and shoulders above all the other troops walking around them. Like, oh shoot, 10 feet tall, maybe taller. Whoever these people are in the middle and they have on armor the same color as the others. And again, it's it's very far out. You're looking at thousands of people. As you get close now, shoot man, 1500, maybe 2000, a lot of Kefkins. And in the middle, there are these tall figures, whoever they are and they're walking toward the front of this group, a smaller group of them in between the others. That's about everything you can, you don't know what to make of that. That's about everything you make out. 
Um, okay. Why don't you make an insight check? <laughs> insight. Insight check. So then I got a 17. Okay. That's it. You get the feeling that whoever's at the front, it looks important. So Vashanan himself, not Vashnazan, hard to say. You get a feeling that important information is involved with whoever those individuals are at the front. Maybe that has something to do with him directly. If it's near him, you just get the feeling that there's great importance here from what you're looking at. Okay, can I see what he looks like or what it looks like? You've made a perception check, an excellent perception check. If, if you want to get closer, you're going to have to get within like less than 100 feet of the columns. So like this this group is is many hundreds and hundreds of feet wide. Whoever these individuals are, they're near the front toward the center. So they're very far from the edge of these groups. So you'd have to get even closer. You'd have to get basically up to the soldiers on the edge to get a clearer look. Um, yeah, I feel like I want to run a little bit closer. Okay, make a stealth check. And I can't, can I, I can't cast another spell on me, can I? I don't think you can cast on one. Plus, casting a spell is pretty risky. Okay, guys, here we go. Hot dice, y'all ready? Oh my gosh. Plus, new characters are always fun, so. That's an 11. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let me look up Two the passive perception of a Kefkin soldier real quickly. Can I gift <laughs> landed my inspiration? You super cannot. Really hard. Um. Uh, would you like to know what the passive perception of a Kefkin soldier is? Mm. Yes. Yes, I would. Boss. It's ten. <laughs> oh, 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 Zachary. So, oh, Zachary. Uh, oh. Boss, you you like sort of in your fox and way. Your your shoulders come up, and they do that thing where you can watch each individual shoulder blade pad up oh in front gosh. of the other, and. Uh, after a moment, like you step in a patch of grass and there's a squeak and a mouse <coughs> off into a grass in the section, you flinch, your ears twitch to either direction, you look back to them and there's just this huge <laughs> from the forces. Nobody seems to pay you any mind. And you get within maybe like 30 feet of the main bodies of these people. Now it gets even harder because now you're like below them. Yeah. It's kind of hard to tell, but you get up ahead and you can see the individuals approaching from a distance. I want you to make another perception check. Slightly lower DC now. Okay. Much closer. Um. Oh my gosh. They're still hundreds of feet away, so it's going to be hard to make out 18. Close, but you can get some more. Sorry? 18. That's really good. Um, you see almost every race you've ever seen made up in the troops walking toward you, each with many thousands of expressions under their armor. You can make out the Kefkin armor now. Um, That'll tell you what, I won't spend too much time explaining now, but we can describe it next next session if we need to. But these larger individuals in the middle, they're still wearing that dark, dark, so dark blue as to be almost black, Kefkin iron armor. And the, um, I actually forget the exact number, but it's six, it's between six and eight. <laughs> but there's um, these individuals walking in the center of all of these troops moving forward. And you realize now, oh yeah, like 10 or 11 feet tall, each of them. And uh, Boz, I want you to make a nature check for what you're looking at. Oh, and that is a 23. A... Oh my goodness. Oh my well, you know exactly what you're looking at. I want you to make a history check. Oh my gosh. And it's going to be a lower DC because you have just spent months with Greta. 
History. What's my history? Oh, this isn't as good. It's really tall. Twelve. <laughs> um, well, the DC was ten. Okay. Uh, so you are just eking it out this evening uh, by inches. You have heard Greta talk about Hashas. You have heard her talk about Wazgo. Um, the kingdom uh, of orcs, ogres, and goblins. Um, where the stereotypes for, for those peoples falls away. And uh, there are small populations of um, orcs, goblins, and ogres who take on much more civilized akin to society. And many of the ogres who come from those reason, regions have dark greens, dark gray skin, uh, dark and light, grays, instead of like the tans that you usually get with ogres. And you realize that you're looking at six, seven, eight ogres walking and rank file with this armor. Um, they have huge jowls. You can make out just in the finest detail from this distance, large tusks protruding. Each of them is, you've heard, well, 23, you know, you've heard that ogres are often very bulbous and overweight. Each one of these individuals is extremely cut. When I say they look like giant gray bodybuilders, I mean it. <laughs> you can see that there's some females, some males, and each one of them have the biggest weapons you've ever seen in your life. One of them looks like they have an eight-foot sword on their back. Another, a hammer, the head of which looks like it's bigger than Craig, um, and, or like the size of him. Another has a full ballista on its back. You know what a wow. ballista yeah, is? Yeah, I know what a ballista is. Yeah. yeah, it looks like a ballista was pulled off a ship and used as this thing's crossbow as it's walking with it on its back. And um, these individuals are walking with grim expressions. And in between them, you see another figure walking. Um... Very pale, white skin, um, marks all over. Again, very far off, hard to make out a bunch of really specific details. Um, you know what a Goliath is. Yeah. So you know that this individual is a Goliath. Big John is big. That's why he's called Big John. But in this moment, Boz, actually make an intelligence check for me. Oh gosh. You already see, because you've really nailed these perception checks. Man, this was a good Got a four. <laughs> okay, hard this to guess the height, but move. definitely bigger than Big John. This individual looks, again, hard to guess the exacts, but you're willing to bet this individual has maybe like a foot or two on Big John? Wow. And you know Big John was almost seven foot? You didn't know a person could get that big. But when I say you see the single buffest individual you've ever seen, in your, I mean like Schwarzenegger. <laughs> um, and in the most terrifying, <laughs> horrifying way. And the individual you can see has no armor on, just one single iron metal pauldron on a shoulder, a leather strap going across the ex impossibly muscular chest, a single iron circle here on, on the uh, left pectoral, and no weapon on the back. And uh, you can't see a whole lot below, maybe like midway down the chest because the heads of other shoulders, soldiers obscure from there. But there's these individuals are walking in the middle of this group and this force is moving slowly forward. As soon as I see that, I'm gone. Like I, I, okay. <laughs> um, Craig, Greta, and Tello, you guys wait for 40 minutes. No boss. And it is a uncomfortable, tense silence as you all wait there. And eventually you hear a and into the middle, a fox runs into the middle of the two horses. And I... I Did you unwild shape? I unwild shape. Okay. Fox! Flurry of leaves and boss stands up. And Tello goes... <sighs> I saw him. I was... I was. Okay. I got I got within 30 feet of the soldiers and I was about 120 feet away from him. But I can't imagine that anybody else would... 
that who that would be with except for the person they're looking for he he was he was a foot or two bigger than uh, even big john and goliath he carried no weapons he had no armor oh, on gosh he was humongous we have to go we have to go right now if they're they're, they're oh we have to go right now Tilla looks to you craig do you know what he looks like you got a 24 i'm gonna let you make another history check at advantage because you rolled phenomenally on the first. So there's a lot of grounds for Craig to know something. Okay, so I'm making advantage. a history. Advantage. Mm -hmm. You said advantage, right? Mm -hmm. Advantage? Okay. So I roll again. It's a six. Can I use inspiration? Sure. You have, you have inspiration? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, the highest I got was a 13. Okay. I promise I'm not throwing you a bone. With three of the five generals that would fail but there are two who are extremely famous for their appearances it's Dolgoth and it's Vashnazan that's definitely Vashnazan because <gasps> Sick. you have heard of the giant Goliath you have heard that Vashn you've heard wild rumors about he's six foot tall he's seven foot tall he's eight foot tall you've heard some people say he's nine foot tall um someone that big no armor that's the Earthrender. 